Well, again, thanks for being a part of this uh, time of worship. Whether you're online or on site, I'm glad you uh, decided to be a part of this, uh, this time of worship with us today. Uh, we've been talking about the fact that something has changed in the world's acting strange these days. It's, uh, it's obvious uh, that, well, when 2020 started, it seemed, everything seemed kind of normal. And it's been downhill almost ever since, right? Mm. February, January is okay. February seemed to be okay. And then March 2020 started and it's been crazy chaos ever since. And a lot of people are thinking, oh man, when is it going to get back to normal? I'm so tired of all this change. And so I'm going to ask some questions that may not be popular, but I'm going to ask them anyway, because I like to ask questions to make us think, what if everything's changed and there's no normal to go back to? Well, if that's the case, how can we maintain a positive outlook when life feels like a game of whack-a-mole and we're the bulls? Oh, wait a minute. Do you guys know what whack-a-mole is? Okay, so yeah, some of you are nodding your heads. If you don't know, um, Google it. What if, it, what, if it, what if it's not going back? What if this strange new world is our normal, <laughs> at least until the next big change comes along? How can we be strong and courageous? How can we wait patiently when we're facing a global pandemic that seems to be constantly changing? And we've seen seismic shifts in all kinds of things and definitely a drastic change in what we think the future is going to be like. Joshua's world. Joshua was Moses' assistant thousands of years ago. This was before, way before Jesus. Joshua's world changed and everything seemed strange in his day. Uh, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 9 kind of encapsulates this. Uh, after the death of Moses, so we're going to stop right there. Uh, Moses is introduced to us in the second book of the Bible. The, the, the book's collected in our Bible. The Bible's, we tend to think of the Bible as one big book, but it's actually like a little library collection of books and letters and this first one is Genesis, the second one is Exodus, the second book is Exodus, then there's Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy. Those four Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy are traditionally, we, we believe Moses wrote, wrote most of them, probably even compiled and wrote the history that's in Genesis, so probably wrote all the first five uh, and he's the main character after about Genesis, Exodus chapter 3. 
from Exodus chapter 3 to Deuteronomy, the end of Deuteronomy. And here we have, and this is the bridge, and Joshua is the sixth book of the Bible, when Moses died. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. In case you... I like how the Bible's authors kind of really make sure you know that you know that things have changed. After Moses died... God came to Joshua and said, Moses is dead. So, I don't know what Joshua said. Joshua was probably not like me, but my first thought would have been, really? I'm a little strange. Joshua said, and God says to Joshua, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites, the people that you're leading. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. The you is for all of them, not just Joshua. Your territory will extend from the deserts in the south to Lebanon in the north. And from the great river, the Euphrates in the east, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, no one will be able to stand against you in all, all the days of your life. So here's Joshua's getting his assignment from God. You are now in charge. You've been number two for the last 40-some years. You've been Moses' second in command, and now you're in charge. You've been leading well, you've been helping Moses lead a wandering group of refugees who left Egypt. And now you're ready to enter the land I promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your ancestors, as an invading army. Your mission, and you have no choice, you will accept it is to transform all these refugees into warriors. So, verse 6, be strong and courageous. I'm going to count these up for you. Number one, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Four times. In case you didn't get it the first time, Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous. 
Be strong and courageous. In case you don't know what that means, that means don't be afraid and don't be discouraged. So how can Joshua obey this command to be strong and courageous when he's facing a terrifying enemy 40 years before everybody his age except for his friend Caleb refused to go into this country because these people, the people who lived there, scared them all to death. Almost literally. In fact, basically they said, God, we would rather die than obey you. These people were scary that they were about to do. So how can he be strong and courageous when he faces a terrifying enemy and a drawn-out war? This is not going to be a, a short skirmish or a single battle. This is a long, drawn-out war that he's about to get engaged in. This is not an easy thing. How can he be strong and courageous? Well, some of you are going, Mark, you left some stuff out. Yes, I did. Thank you for following along. I appreciate that. Now I'm going to come back. Because God's first words and his last words surrounding his commands to be strong and courageous were a promise, I will be with you. I am with you. So back in verse 5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So before he says to him four times, be strong and courageous, he says, I will be with you. And after he says to him four times, be strong and courageous, God says to him, I will be with you wherever you go. See, God's commands, if we look, God's commands are always couched with his promises. And most often they're promises of his presence. God doesn't leave Joshua on his own to conduct this invasion. He doesn't say, go take this land. Good luck. See you in a few hours or a few years. Let me know how it turns out. In other words, when God says to him, be strong and courageous, he says the strength and the courage you need that I tell you to have is going to come from the one who is with Joshua, not from something he works up from within himself. Strength and courage come from the one with Joshua, not merely from within him. So we, we tend to read those commands, be strong and courageous, and we think, how on earth am I going to do that? Wait patiently for the Lord. Be strong and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. How on earth am I going to do that? How can anybody do that? God continues to surround his commands to be courageous with promises of Jesus' presence. Now, I, here's an example because 
sometimes I've been around the church people long enough to know. Not probably no one who is involved in this time of worship would do this, but just in case. I've been around church people long enough to know that someone will say, well, yeah, but that's in the Old Testament, and that doesn't apply to us because we are New Testament Christians. Good. I'm glad you... It's all that be strong and courageous stuff. That's back there. That's not apply to us. Okay, so here's, an, here's something that the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the first century Greek city, the Christians, in the Greek city of Philippi in the first century. We call it Philippians. It's Philippians chapter 4, verses 5 through 9. It's a letter that he wrote to them, and in it he says, Let your gentleness be evident to all. <clears throat> the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so you don't need to worry about being strong and courageous. You just need to be not anxious. Command to not be anxious, by the way, is sandwiched in a promise. The Lord is near. And when we focus on him and the things that he's told us to focus on, he will be with us. Now, what is anxiety? Now, there is, I'm not talking about, let's just, I'm not talking about the mental health issue of anxiety. Okay, so let's clarify that real quick. There are people who have mental health issues that are anxiety and panic attacks, and, and that's, a, that's a different issue. That's, a, uh, that's caused by all kinds of things like chemical imbalances in our bodies and, our, and, and, and that's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about anxiety. The dictionary defines anxiety as a feeling of worry, nervousness, unease, typically about an event or something with an uncertain outcome. Anxiety is common to humanity. Anxiety is something, frankly, that if you haven't been experiencing it in the last year and a half, almost two years, you have issues. Like you're not in touch with reality. Okay, I. What are you smoking? Yes, I just said that in church. Hmm. 
something wrong if you haven't had some kind of anxiety, some kind of sense. Anxiety is kind of, there's a spectrum of anxiety. And we all live it on it. We know what it is when we feel it. One of my favorite authors, I quote him frequently, his name is J.D. Wall. He says, here, he says, this is my take on, on anxiety, the, the, this common anxiety that we all share. It, it's the felt experience of being unaware of the presence of God. It's, so he, his idea is that we get anxious when all of a sudden we don't realize God's here with us. God's in the middle of the COVID outbreak. God's in the middle of the chaos that's going on in our society and in our culture, in our world. God knows all this stuff. It's not like he, it's not, again, it doesn't say, hey, here you go. Good luck. I'll check in with you in a couple of years. He's here. But when we become unaware of his presence, to varying degrees, we become anxious. So how can we obey this command not to be anxious when we're facing this pandemic and we're facing this these seismic shifts in, in what we thought the future was going to be like. Now, just for a little levity here, those of us who grew up watching the Jetsons, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because that would make us all look, or some of us look old. If you don't know what the Jetsons are, Google it. When uh, we, we were growing up watching the Jetsons, we all expected to be have flying jet cars and highways in the sky and and, and robots cleaning the house and cooking for us and all this kind of really cool stuff in 2020. That's when it was supposed to happen. That was in 2020. And then somebody was brilliant enough said, we grew up watching the Jetsons expecting flying cars and here we are in 2020 teaching each other how to wash our hands. <laughs> we did not get what we were thinking was going to happen. Doesn't happen that way. How are we supposed to be without anxious, without anxiety in the middle of this? How can we do that? Do not be anxious about what, did you hear what he said? I'm going to read that one more time. Because just in case you didn't miss this, do not be anxious about anything. My mom used to have a little saying, don't sweat the big stuff. then she'd follow it by saying and don't forget there is no big stuff Paul says don't be anxious about anything how can we be obey this command to not be anxious about anything well he gives us the answer in the rest of the, in, in that big long section before we get to that second promise about God's presence and it basically is this, focus on Jesus' presence. Focus on Jesus' presence through prayer. Focus on Jesus' presence through expressing our gratitude, giving thanks regularly, frequently. Even 
secular, non-Christian psychiatrist and psychologist will tell you you can change the chemistry and the makeup of your brain by making it a regular practice to write down something, two, three, four, five things every day that you're thankful for. It will change the way your brain works. Imagine that. God knew that gratitude was a good for us. Two thousand years ago, he tells us, focus on Jesus' presence with thanksgiving, gratitude. Focus on Jesus' presence through centering your thoughts on whatever reflects his character. You read that long list, whatever is noble and pure and lovely and admirable and all the, you look at those things. What are those things? Those are things that are Jesus is. Those are reflections of his character. If it's if something like Jesus, think about it. If it's something that's not like Jesus, well, why are you wasting your time on it? Okay, I'm going to, for some of us, I'm going to go meddling. For some of you, it's not a issue, but you may need to stop following some things on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or whatever other media you follow. Because it, I know, there's a lot of stuff out there that's not admirable, pure, lovely. It's just downright ugly and mean. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't, I've already told you that I'm special, right? Because I'm, I'm the kind of guy who would backtalk God when he says Moses is dead. I don't need any help being mean. And reading mean, mean things on in, in social media just makes it easier for me. So I've snoozed a lot of people. I've hidden Things. You can do this, by the way, in case you didn't know that. I'm going to tell you. If you don't know how, I'll show you. You can unfollow people. You don't even have to tell them. If you're, and if it gets really bad, you can unfriend them. I've done that too. And if it gets really, really, really bad, you can block them. Not, I've not frankly had to do that yet because nobody's actually come after me. But I want to focus on Jesus' presence by centering my thoughts on what reflects his character. Whatever it is and whatever media I'm bringing in, whether it's, whether it's on the social media or whether it's the, the television, whether it's the news, whether it's the things I read, it I want to put the things that are like Jesus into my head. There's enough ugly stuff out there that I can't filter out. But everything I can, I'm going to choose to make good. I'm going to focus on Jesus' presence too by practicing what I know to do as his disciple. And it all boils down to this. What does his love require of me? 
And God's love, Jesus' love is action-oriented. It's not just feeling-oriented. God's commands come couched in promises of Jesus' presence. The Holy Spirit doesn't leave us on our own to conduct our lives in this strange world free from anxiety and worry. He doesn't say, don't be anxious about anything. And Jesus doesn't tell us, don't worry about anything. And then says, good luck, I'll check on you in a couple years. See, the strength and the courage that we need to not be anxious and to not worry come from the one who's with us, not from within us. So here's the sermon in a sentence. God's promises make God's commands possible. God's promises make God's commands possible. Well, actually, that's not it. That is the sermon in a sentence that I wrote, and that's the sermon in a sentence that you'll find on the, on the uh, YouVersion event, and that's the, the one that I shared with Ray to put on the slides, but that's not really the sermon in a sentence because I keep trying to rework it. God's promised presence makes God's commands possible. That's closer. God's presence makes God's commands possible. That's a little better. God's presence makes our obedience to God's commands possible. You get that? God's presence with us makes our obedience to God's commands possible. Holy Spirit has been making his presence obvious to me. He's been working on me. And, you know, some of you are going, oh, hallelujah, it's about to One of the things that I he's been doing is restoring courage and hope. Even though I have absolutely no idea what's coming next. You see, it, I, I've had a realization. So one of the ways God has wired me is that I, I have a I, I almost have an intuitive sense of, of what where things are headed. In the for I, I can plan fairly almost. Autumn, it's easier for me to plan than it is for some people. I'm just going to put it that way. It, other people have other talents. This is one of mine. Okay, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying this is, you know, it's like saying I'm right-handed. That's all it is. But I realized recently that as the Spirit's been working to restore my sense of courage and hope, that I've been more secure, had more of a sense of security in my sense that the future is going to be what I thought it was going to be than I had in the fact that Jesus was with me. 
So my, my sense that the that I could see and sense, okay, th this is where things are headed, and it looks good. Yeah, all right. And then COVID hits, and I have no idea. I'm looking at a granite wall through fog on a rainstorm at night with no moon. By the way, it's a black granite wall. Can't see nothing! I hear this little whisper in my ear. Can you trust me now? Can you trust me now? I can't see where we're going. Can you trust me now? But I want to see where I'm going. Me now. But when are you going to get a new job, aren't you? Even I about <clears throat> shut up eventually, right? Just look, I'm sharing my conversations with Jesus with you, okay? That spirit has helped me realize that I was focusing on what I thought the future would be like and being secure in that not on the fact that I was with Jesus and that Jesus was with me. And I don't think I'm alone. I mean, I've been watching people around me. I think we all tend to seek security in what we think the future will be rather than in the Lord's presence. Now, if somebody's not following Jesus, doesn't believe in him, doesn't claim to be a follower of Jesus and they're not I don't expect them to, to look for his presence or okay that you know but if we're saying we're following Jesus and we're putting our sense of security in anything else then there's a problem with us as followers of Jesus we are making a mistake We, I, from what I've seen, if nothing upsets our plans, we're somewhat worthy and anxiety-free. Everything's good. But throw a history-changing series of events at us and we lose our composure. We're unaware of Jesus' presence the moment things start to go bonkers. That's a technical term. So we feel weak and frightened and discouraged. But I want you to know we can turn it around. Holy Spirit can help us focus on Jesus' presence through prayer. That was one of the things we mentioned just a few moments ago. And I'm going to invite you to join me in the next few minutes in experiencing being aware of God's presence with us through prayer. It's going to transform us one way or another. Whenever we encounter God, it changes us one way 